Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. Score a one in four chance to win with the Monopoly game at Macca's. Ah, yes, indeed. Very good evening to you. Welcome to the Macca's Run. Hope you've had as good a day as you possibly can, however you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in. Wonderful to have you on board. one 736 736 is the number to call. If you'd like to have your say on the news of the day, you can do so on the Harcourts open line, your move, your Harcourts. You can text us at any time, 0433-981116, the Temper 40 Winks text, consumer choice winner. Temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but this is the Maccas run. No prizes for guessing uh, who we do it for. It's for Maccas, and you can score a one-in-four chance to win with, an, with the Monopoly game at Maccas. Let's start with this today. I don't know whether I should be saying this a lot. So we sort of shook hands and, uh, you know, late, well, we got to a deal in principle late, late in whatever it was, I'm trying to do the day, on Monday night, and then sort of tried, tried to finalise the, the, the actual contracts, which were mostly done. That's hard work because everyone's mm-hmm. down to tin tacks. At about 4.30, it's like, oh, we've all had enough of this and sort of had, you know, it was a bit of a hissy fit thrown probably by me and then they got everyone to agree to some stuff and so everyone wanted to sign then. I was like, oh, so the, one of the teams was down the road at Foxton. They wanted to, so we sort of trudged down and pulled the cars over on Collins Street <laughs> and set out down the street and I was like, I was hungry and grumpy. I was like, I need a Suvlaki. And then I was like, there's no Suvlaki around here. And then we sort of in some windswept thing, we sort of, I'm on our lap signed agreements at yeah, I think it was a quarter past five in the morning. It was a it was a sort of a inglorious finish. So had there been a souvlaki available, the dealer may have had some garlic sauce on it as well. <laughs> of course, chicken, chicken and garlic sauce essential. Well done. That's uh, it is a massive result. So well, yeah, we actually I got the crew together last night on the way home. we got we got uh, we had um, takeaway souvlakis at um, at the London Tavern at about eight o'clock last night. we got our fill of souvlakis. Yeah. What constitutes a souvlaki? No, I'm kidding. Uh, the boys did that. Uh, we've been down that road. Uh, Gillam McLaughlin, of course, uh, speaking to Gary and Tim this morning on SEN Breakfast, sen.com.au, to hear the full chat. That's how the deal was done. That's how the deal was celebrated. And that is the deal that is the most significant moment in the history of Australian rules football. So the TV rights deal is done. It is locked away till the end of 2031. Seven years, $4.5 million a year. This is going to provide an extra $170 million a year to the game. $643 million a year in revenue for the game. The most significant moment in the game's history because it secures the game's future in the strongest possible way. This is like winning not just Powerball but US Powerball for the game. This money is literally a game changer. 
It is the crowning achievement of Gil McLaughlin's tenure alongside starting the AFLW, and it will probably be more so because it secures the AFLW's future as well and allows it to make the leap into a fully professional code. And that is just one of the many, many things that can be done and hopefully will be done with this money. Now, I know that some will be worried about the Super Saturday that Fox are going to get for the first eight games of the year where they will have exclusive rights to all the games that are played on a Saturday. Seven will get 15 Thursday night games, but there will be more free-to-air home and away games than there's ever been before. There is just a little bit of finagling and a little tinkering that's just been going on. But if you are the person, if you go out to a meal with someone and they are constantly paying extra, then, yeah, they do get the last bit of the wine that's there. They do get the last slice of dessert. If they're the ones that are always paying more, sooner or later, when you reach for the last profiterole or whatever you're having with your dessert or you reach for that last glass that's left in the bottle, it has to go to the person that's paying more. And that's what's been happening and that's what's happened uh, in this deal. So Thursday night footy gets about 200,000 more viewers anyway than the Saturday night game and it's first eight rounds that that will happen. The good news is that the AFL control the draw and it's counterproductive to what they do to leave a team behind. No team will be left behind. It's not part of their mission. This is something to celebrate. The motto for Tats Lotto, life could be a dream. Well, footy could be a dream and now that dream is a reality if, and it's a big if, if that money is spent wisely. So you would have been around your kitchen table before we do that, this was Gil McLaughlin on the shake-up around Saturdays. First of all, there's exactly the same amount of free-to-air going forward, uh, Gary, as there is currently. So you're moving some games from Saturday into Thursdays, but actually more people get to watch. The audience on a Thursday night is basically double Saturday. And if it's Saturday afternoon, it's, it's, it's more like you know five times bigger. So I understand that, but, but Saturday is our least watched day. Thursday is not. So... There's the same amount of games. They have moved to where more people can watch. And, um, and you know, beyond that, if that's in part, obviously we think it's good for our supporters, but if it's in part to, to provide value to Foxtel and KO, one, I think relatively the KO product's incredibly expensive. It's sort of, you know, inexpensive. You know, at the moment they've been doing $5 a month deals. Secondly, you know, the... The, the investment they are making goes to, in fact, we're still $10 for kids and $28 for adults. We've only had one increase in the GA price in nearly a decade. So it, hopefully everyone has the context of all of that, that actually the free-to-air is the same, slightly different, they're in high-viewing slots. Free-to-air games do sort of 200000 on Saturday afternoon to a million on Thursday night. And, and that's, so there's more people able to watch where we've gone to, and the investment from Foxtel KO is... Um, going back into supporters as well as community because it all it all passes through. And the last piece is, I know they're committed to the KO product, the digital only product being very affordable. Gil McLaughlin, the AFL CEO, crowning achievement in his tenure in the game. Speaking to Gary and Tim earlier this morning on SEN Breakfast, they also spoke to the head of sport at Channel 7, Lewis Martin, who spoke about the agreement and how the schedule of games was going to work. You won't have any less games on free-to-air. In fact, with Digital now, you'll, the, um, you'll be able to watch those games anywhere, anytime on any device, guys. So it comes down to choice. Um, the Saturday nights um, will effectively now shift to a Thursday night strategy. So there's 15 Thursday nights there and 23 Fridays. And then what you'll have is the marquee games, you know, like the dream time on a Saturday will always be on free-to-air. And the last remaining eight games in the back end of the season on Saturday night will be on free-to-air. And then all finals and also the grand final will be exclusive on seven. 
But the key mate here is Nat is based your organisation, Fox Talent Seven, provide an, an, an incredible choice for fans. You can choose to pay if you want um, all games, or you can choose to watch it free um, and get all the footy you need, um, as well as all the replays and, and catch ups, etc. On Seven Plus. Lewis Martin, McGarry and Tim earlier today, the head of sport at Channel 7. So this is my question for you tonight, because you would have had this chat a thousand times in your life when you're sitting around with your family or your mates uh, or your work colleagues. You might be in a syndicate, but every time there's a mass in Tats Lotto or Powerball or any of these, the conversation always gets to, what would you do with the money if you won? What would you do if you won that amount of money? And that's essentially what's happened to the game. The game has won Tats Lotto. It is a masterstroke of negotiation. They gave up nothing and gained a ton. They gained $170 million more a year. So how would you spend the money? How would you invest the money? one 736 on the Temper 40 Winks text. The Harcourts open line, your move, your Harcourts for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourts for all things sports. Speak to me. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. So here's a couple from me. The bloody score review. I know I'm starting small. It'll get bigger. There's bigger issues in the game, I know. But I'll get to those. But I did my shower thought on Monday. I made the comparison to the proof that we're shown on a goal review is about as clear and conclusive as the proof that we're shown by those weirdos on Unsolved Mysteries reckoning they've seen the Loch Ness Monster or UFOs or Bigfoot. We don't need to be tight asses with this anymore. It's like when you say to your dad, can we go to the pool? And he'd say, well, I'm not paying for the bloody pool. You can go jump under a sprinkler. We can go to the pool now. No more Commodore 64 technology. Let's go out and get the virtual reality simulator technology that's there and available. And let's fix that. Tassie. Now the naysayers have nothing to nay about. Tassie, instantly affordable. So too Darwin if we wanted. So if you vote no now as a president of a football club, it's not because you care about the state of the game. It's because you care about the state of yourself and your club only and exclusively. And any president that still votes no, I'm saying probably shouldn't be the president of your footy club. Can we do Darwin? AFLW going professional and being able to pay them to focus on their footy, watch the standard of the competition, which goes up and up every single year, make leaps and bounds from that moment. Grassroots will be getting 10% of the overall revenue every year. Not just this revenue, but with this, they get $64 million. And then the rest of the revenue goes in as well. They get their 10%. So new facilities, grounds, pathways, infrastructure, getting into the schools, connecting with the kids, making sure they're not going to other sports, but they're staying with the AFL. Whatever else is needed. Continue to grow the game in Queensland, New South Wales. I've got a friend of mine whose wife's a, a drama teacher. She runs a, a, a program for schools that don't have drama classes. Every time she goes in to present at an assembly in Queensland and sees the AFL there, she knows she's not having a win that day. Because when the AFL are up there in schools promoting Auskick, giving out drink bottles and footies and show bags and running clinics, they're doing it better up there than the NRL are in their own backyard. Certainly better than rugby are because you've got to be at a private school to play rugby and, and cricket aren't doing anywhere near the amount of work that the AFL are in that space. So you can t- continue to grow the game there. Umpires we can provide. Umpires with better funding, better pathways, better facilities, better infrastructure. Make the move to a professional era of umpiring. Make it an attractive, fully funded and attainable career option. Get on the recruitment drive. We could reinstate a competition-wide reserves program instead of whatever it is we've got now a national under-18s comp that we televise so we know who these kids are come draft night. We can fix just about any problem in the game. What would you fix? one 736 736 What would you fix? What would you invent? Your calls on the other side of this.
Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. Score a one in four chance to win with the Monopoly game at Macca's. Uh, welcome back to the Macca's Run. Uh, we do it all for Macca's, the one in four chance uh, to win on the Monopoly game, which is back now at McDonald's. The Harcourt's open line is always that for you. one 736 736 I like this one off the text. Uh, Richard in Melbourne, reinvest in the coach's soft cap. Couldn't they use a chop out at the moment? Tons more work being done by a lot less. And I know they're getting a little increase uh, going into next season, but wouldn't it be great to see um, a full complement of support staff uh, at each of the clubs as they see fit uh, and with a, a cap that actually makes sense. Um, and we l- don't lose good people to the game, rather that we bring and keep good people in the game. Dan's in Geelong. The question I'm asking you tonight is, given that the game has just won Tats Lotto, and we always ask that question every time there's a big jackpot, what would you do if you won? So that's what I'm asking you. What would you fix in the game? What would you invest in in the game? How would you spend the money? What would you do? With the money that we've won, $170 million extra a year, over $600 million a year uh, as part of the new TV rights broadcast. Dan's in Geelong. G'day, Dan. Uh, good evening. Yeah, no, if I, if, if, we, if I had the money and I could delegate, I'd invest in um, mind memory erasing technology. And um, I think it would be owed to the fans out there for the AFLX uh, that they that they subjected to all of us supporters out there, and uh, the other thing I would do is I'd probably try to get it back overseas. I'd probably aim for a country like America instead of China. Uh, Americans are very sports mad, and they've got a huge diversity of sports that they back. I think the China thing was never really going to work, and uh, yeah, I'd probably be aiming for a country that might uh, might yeah be more likely to take on board the the Aussie game. Dan, thank you, but. A- comedic work at the start there and you're wanting sort of a men in black situation where uh, maybe not Will Smith uh, we're just not quite sure where he's at these days just comes in presses that little button there's a flash of light and we all forget about uh, AFLX uh, appreciate the call we've had a few people just drop off the line we've had to change studios so if you're wondering what had happened if you would sort of gone a bit quiet on there please give us a call back we've had a fair few drop out uh, Brad in Bendigo Joe in Abbotsford uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Brent in Airport West. We've won Tats Lotto. Brent, how are we spending the money? Two two things, mate. Um, I think if you have a look at the AFL Heartland, which uh, which uh, was is and always will be Victoria um, country football is uh, is close to cooked. I think it needs a, a massive restructure. Number one. Um. Number two, I think it gives the AFL a real opportunity to put some money back into. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of medical um, support uh, that that will tell you that organised sport is um, is huge for um, for mental health and, and the health and well-being of of its participants. And I think um, the one of the AFL's biggest problems is they don't actually um, recognise. Or, um, or survey or put in their data footballers over the age of 35. And I think, uh, you know, you look at the uh, Super Rules and Masters football that, that happens across uh, right across Australia, I think there's a, you know, both men and women, there's a huge opportunity to really put some, uh, some money back into, uh, into those people that have made the game what it is today at the grassroots. So grassroots is where you're wanting to spend the money. I, I like it, Brent. The AFL had already committed to spending extra next year. Uh, 
in grassroots than than the ten percent. So it'll go up again uh, under this new deal uh, as well. One three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. And Gil McLaughlin spoke about that and about that there will be um, that the people in place to make those calls um, will be taking on all the advice about how that money needs to be spent, where it's best spent. Um, in the country regions, how to keep uh, clubs alive, competitions alive and, and pathways clear. Um, I think there's work to do with, in the NAB League as well. And, and, and the heartland is not just country footy in Victoria. It's country footy all around Australia. Um, it, it, it's Australia's game. It's the AFL now. It's not, not the VFL anymore. And it's, it's not just about Victoria. It's about football at the grassroots level all around Australia. Uh, and how we best invest in it to make sure that we're not losing kids uh, along the way and we're getting as many people playing this great game uh, as possible. And the more we have playing at the grassroots level, the more that we can get at the elite level, and then the more that will flow back to country and grassroots level uh, after their careers hopefully uh, have finished at the highest level. Dave's in Diamond Creek. G'day, Dave. Yeah, g'day, mate. Everybody's saying the game has won Tats. The game hasn't won Tats, Lotto. The AFL has won Tats, Lotto. They're a non-for-profit. The They're a non-for-profit, Dave, so that it gets invested back in the game. So the game has won Tats, Lotto. Oh. It's just about how it gets spent. I, I have, I've been involved in local footy for 20 years, yep. at junior level, senior level, master's level, and I have and been involved with quite a few clubs. I have not heard of one club getting one cent back from the AFL. As When I was coaching, we had to pay to be accredited and we got nothing for it. We just had to dip in. Every every club has to buy jumpers that has an AFL logo that cost bucket loads just to have that. They can't go out and source cheaper jumpers because the AFL has to have their logo on it. So what needs to be done, nothing. Dave? So, Dave, the whole idea was how do we spend the money? Where is the money best spent? So I'm more than happy to open mate, up and we can have a bitch session about, you know, what doesn't happen. But what should happen, mate? You've got the experience at the grassroots level. You're saying no clubs get anything. Well, that's, that's not right, but it would probably feel like that at times. And I know there's certainly that feeling in the country as well where they just don't see where the money is and, and aren't sure whether it's going to the right places. So with your experience, tell us where it should go. Do you want to, um, I reckon they should be handing out a whole heap of um, Sharon's to clubs. Yeah, great start. Great start. More footies. Training training balls. So clubs have got training balls for seniors and training balls for juniors because that's a massive expense for clubs. Yeah, you're looking at, what, 150 bucks for a, for a Sharon, for a yep. full-size Sharon? Yep, how do we keep the cost for clubs down so that they are not, you know, having to bend over backwards to, to keep themselves afloat? It's a great suggestion, Dave. Absolutely love it. Um, keep those coming, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Scotty Cummings is going to join us to preview uh, the, the, uh, the semifinals this week. Uh, but, Pete, in Primby, we'll get to your call on the other side of this and get through your text as well. This is the Maccas run. Score a one-in-four chance to win with the Monopoly game at Maccas. Welcome to the Maccas run with Sam Hargraves. Score a one in four chance to win with the Monopoly game at Maccas. 
Uh, welcome back to the Macca's Run. Great to have you on board. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I think I said Scotty Cummings was coming on. I meant to say that Mick McGuan is coming on to preview uh, the two finals this week. So looking forward to having Mick on, one of the best and most um, astute minds uh, and analysts in the game. I'm asking you, given that the AFL has essentially just won Tats Lotto, it is the richest deal, uh, TV rights deal in Australian sporting history. It dwarfs every other TV rights deal that's ever been made. I mean, they just pale into comparison with this. Australia, Aussie Rules footy is the biggest um, and most financially viable game in Australia. Um, and, and that's just undeniable, indisputable. Uh, at the moment. How would you spend the money, though? We've won Tats Lotto, and when you get that kind of windfall, you can do some real good in the world. You would have sat around and had that chat at your kitchen table with your family. Jeez, if we win this Tats Lotto, what are we going to do? How can we make our lives better and the lives of those around us better? So as a footy community, how can we make our lives better and the lives of the rest of the footy community better? What would you be spending the money on? What would you be investing in? Peter in Primby. G'day, Peter. Yeah, look, there's a few to spend it on all the uh, worthwhile projects there. I think they should just keep a proportion of it aside into a sort of like an AFL future fund, sort of like the game superannuation fund, so that when things like happen in the future, maybe another COVID um, event, that the game's got something to fall back on. So, you know, like there's a lot of coin there that they're getting. So a portion of that invested wisely. Um, it can become a future uh, income stream as well for the uh, well, uh, for the game as well. So uh, so what you're on. saying is it's a break glass in case of emergency fund? Yeah, exactly right, mate. And if you, um, what do you call it? If you invest it, it's going to turn up, uh, give you a return and you can either... Um, use that return to put it back into the future fund to build it up even further, or you can use it to spend on other things of the game that you think that are worthwhile. But it'd be handy something. It's just like superannuation, mate. You don't think about it when you're 20, but when you're nearing retirement, you, you start to think about superannuation pretty seriously. So it's one of those things that the game should should think about, you know? I like it, Pete. Pra- I like it, Pete. Pragmatic, sensible, Um I reckon that you would have been pretty good at saving your pocket money uh, when you were a kid. Uh, it's essentially what you're wanting uh, the AFL to do as well. Just keep some money locked away in case we ever get to a point like we did during COVID. Instead of having to mortgage Marvel Stadium, that the money is there and ready to just get us out of a jam uh, if we find ourselves in one. There's a few other things making news today. Uh, Nick Kyrgios eliminated by Russia's uh, Karen Kachanov in the US Open quarterfinals. Uh, five-set epic on centre court. I reckon it's the best I've seen of Nick. I mean, I've, we've always accused him of giving up Nick Kyrgios. Take all the behavioural stuff aside. I, my view is that he screams at his, um, the player's box because I think that's been prearranged. I, I, he's spoken a lot about his mental health and what's gone on for him. I, I wonder if it's a tactic to help him focus on court. So instead of getting caught up abusing everybody, and I know he still isn't as nice as he could be to some officials, I wonder whether that's him saying... Channel it at us. We will take it. We will love you. We will support you and we'll be there for you. But don't put it out to anywhere else. Channel it to us. I just have a feeling that that might be why that happens. Not that I think it – I still think it's a bad look, but I think that might be why it's happened. 
He's always been accused of giving up, and you can't accuse him of, of that today. Uh, Ola Tomjanovic also eliminated in the quarterfinals by Tunisia's Ons Jaber. Um, and Ange Postacoglu's Celtic beaten 3-0 Real Madrid in the opening day of the Champions League this morning. Callum Mills has signed a contract extension for the next six years, a deal that'll see him at Sydney until at least the end of 2029. Robbie Fox, a two-year extension at the Swans. He of the greatest defensive play of the year in that win over Melbourne. Um, Ross Lyon turning down Essendon's advancement to coach uh, Essendon's request for him to take part in their coaching process or their search for their new coach process. Um, we'll talk about that uh, in, during the show as well. But before we do that, uh, it's always great to have this man coming on um, and just sharing this, the nuggets. Uh, one of the sharpest minds in footy is Mick McGowan. He's been good enough to jump on with us again. Mick, hello, mate. Hey, uh, just a quick question for you. I'm, I'm likening this to the game having won Tats Lotto. And what would you spend the money on if you were to win Tats Lotto? Well, the game has. So you spent a lot of... And we've got a lot of people talking about grassroots footy and country footy and, and, and it's just not getting what it needs at the minute. Um, if, if you were in charge of the purse strings after a windfall like that, where's the money best spent? Where are the priorities for you in the game that need investing in? Oh, junior programs. Yep. Uh, particularly at grassroots level because I feel that the ageing population and the declining population that's becoming when you talk volunteer database, I'm just not sure where the volunteers are going to come from in years to come if they don't get it right and get the right support around them. Yeah. I see cup level, under 16 um, pathway programs. They clearly need the next generation players, uh, players coming through with the coaching side of it uh, being a priority, so these young kids at eight, nine, ten, eleven, even from Auskick at seven and eight, uh, get the right fundamentals adopted from an early age. Otherwise, the product in ten or twelve years' time mightn't get better. Yeah, couldn't agree more. The pathways is such an important thing, and coming from Bendigo, it, it concerns me that we are having so few players drafted when there's such a a, a wide ranging catchment zone um, that the pioneers have um, to to sort of find players in and, and, and pick them from. And um, and I wonder if it's the same for the Murray Bush Rangers. Certainly not a problem for the Geelong Falcons. But, um, yeah, that's another little area. So, a, you know, a, a real deep dive into the pathways. I think it's a, a fantastic idea, Mick. Um, well, the other thing about it, Sam, too, is, uh, well, we can hear this. I think those that are in those positions at either THC Cup level, whether it be Western Jets or Calder Cannons or Oakley Chargers or... Murray Bush Rangers or Bendigo Pioneers, those people that are given the responsibility to find the next group of talented players, don't just rely on phone calls to the respective clubs to find out who that talent pool is. Because generally most people in those positions, whether it's a secretary they contact, they might give out um, the son of a player that's good friends with that family, uh, their own son, and that might necessarily necessitate the best talent in the club get off your backsides and come out to local footy and find the grassroots players that could be the future of the game. I don't think that's happening nowhere near enough. Uh, they sit in their chairs in high places and they're not prepared to get on the roads to go and see as much talent as they should for the future of the game to prosper. Yeah, I mean, I remember as a kid, we used to wait every year for the letters. There used to be letters that you'd get asked to come and train and you're always baffled as like, how come that bloke didn't get a, a letter? I've played junior footy against him the whole way through. He's the best player that I've, I've seen in junior footy, yet no letter... So, yeah, there's a bit of work to do um, with the pathways as well. Um, what did you make of week one of the finals before we speak about week two? Well, 
oh, I just thought the four games were magnificent. They all had different uh, bit of twists and conversations around the results and why certain teams won, why certain teams lost. You talk about the arc decision with the Tom Lynch goal. Uh, that was a shock to me, I must say. Um, I don't know the evidence that the ARC review officer went to because what my screen was showing, it was quite inconclusive. We've probably grown to adopt that what the umpire's call is. That stands if there's not conclusive evidence to change it. Uh, that was a surprise. The Brisbane, full credit to them. I just knew that it would be a controversial topic that was going to be discussed as opposed to the game, and it's still going on, and rightfully so. So I hope that gets tidied up because I know Richmond is sort of investigating to any you know, real deep lengths to make sure that if they're seeing something that the fans aren't seeing, let's get it on the screen. So that discussion gets put to bed pretty quickly. Uh, but full credit to Brisbane. Uh, they got the result. Uh, they've advanced into a final situation against an adversary that's monstered them the last couple of times they play, that being Melbourne. I thought the Collingwood and Geelong game was simply magnificent from a contest standpoint. Collingwood to have 85 tackles and the pressure they applied really challenged the catch. But I think what we witnessed in that game, Geelong with a new mode of going forward and taking risks rather than being safe and tempo, control type game, kick mark, I think they found a way on the back of that new adopted style in offence and that got them over the line in the end. Also some incredible ball handling skills late by... Um, Cam Guthrie and also Mitch Duncan, which eventually released the ball back to Duncan to kick the camera and he got it to Rowan and handball to Holmes. Uh, that was just incredible, that passage of play under the pressure that Collingwood through Pendlebury and others were applying. And then obviously the Sydney uh, performance against Melbourne was just incredible. Uh, the most honest two-way running team in the competition. They run hard to spread you in offence, but if they do turn it over their immediate ability to reference a dangerous opponent or cover dangerous space is a highlight, hence the reason as to why there was a lot of rush plays for Melbourne going inside forward 50 and their efficiency was poor as a consequence of that. Uh, they'll have to master that this week against Brisbane, which I think they'll get plenty of opportunities to do so. And then obviously the big one was Fremantle giving up a 41-point lead but finding a way to get back into the contest merely through a couple of players, I felt, uh, the two midfielders in Brayshaw and Saron were simply outstanding. They got to work. They rolled their sleeves up. And I think as a group in their forward half, they got their front half game going after a slow start. And there was some unsung heroes in that result because of what they did off the ball. So, speaking of Mick McGowan, um, Mick, so now Melbourne-Brisbane on Friday night. So Melbourne with real question marks on their ability to score the connectivity, it's been a constant thread throughout the year. They were able to fix it with about six rounds to go last year and then they were brilliant and brutal during the finals, as we know, to get to a grand final. It's been the issue that still hasn't really been put to bed this year. It reared its head again against Sydney. They had more inside 50s than the Swans. Uh, Their efficiency going inside is a real issue. They're relying on their contest game from their midfield uh, and their defensive structure, which is the best in the competition, to, to get them through. And Brisbane looking to beat a bogey team that's beat them up twice this year at a venue they haven't won at since 2014. So there's a bit going on for both. Yeah, there is. And you've nailed it, Sam, with uh, Melbourne. They operated at score per inside 50 last week at 33.9%, which was their fourth worst of the year. Yep. Uh, that must change um, going into this week's game. And I think the aspect of what's generally been great for Melbourne over the last 18 months or so is their turnover game. 
Now, they generated 31 forward half intercepts, which was the second most of the year last week against Sydney. And when you generate that many, which is above the season average, you generally have a great capacity to score from those forward half intercepts, but they only managed to score 22 points, which was really disappointing. That comes down to decision-making, also ball use, the pressure they were put under through Sydney's intent to get the ball back as quickly as possible, made hurried decisions, and I just think they lacked composure. I think there was a bit of self-preservation with a couple of players. Jakey Melchin probably missed a handball. He goes inside 50 at Chenar forward, gets it smothered, had a couple of shots at goal that he missed. You've got to take your chances to add to that merit of creating forward half intercepts. And the other big one for me was the turnover source, which is the number one source in scoring in AFL footy or any footy for that matter. Their points from turnovers last week were only five goals, mm. which was the third worst for the season. I think it was about, was it about three game. points in the back half, in the second half? About three points yeah, in turnover was, in the... Yeah, it was very yeah. low. And what about the Lions, Mick? Turnover, which was alarming, um, was 40 points, 40 points, allowing Sydney to score 70 points from turnover is something we don't see from Melbourne. So that aspect would clearly be addressed internally this week because they must rediscover that against Brisbane. And the Lions? Uh, the Lions, well, I thought they were pretty good in terms of their four-and-a-half game. They didn't manufacture as many four-and-a-half intercepts as what um, Melbourne did last week. They only had 19, and that's on the back of Hipwood and um, Danaher not providing great forward 50 pressure at times. Generally, they don't add to that intercept opportunity. But what they did when they created those intercepts, they punished Richmond when they went back inside 50. Uh, they scored 41 points, which is an incredible number on the back of the low number they did create. So as much as they did generate low numbers of intercepts for their front half game to look look strong, um, they just had incredible scores from those intercepts they created. I don't think that'll happen against Melbourne on Friday night. The aspect they have to get right, I think, is their stoppage game. Because if Melbourne take control with Gorn being the number one ruckman, I think Goodwin will probably put him to start the game rather than what he did last week starting him forward when he picked up when Rampy picked him up and allowed Jackson to be the number one ruck. Brisbane have obviously got a serious decision to make. Do they bring in Darcy Ford or do they go with that hybrid makeshift ruck combination in Danaher and McStay like they did last week, which probably threw a spanner in the works for Richmond, but it was very, very enterprising and it worked to great effect. But against the Jackson and Gorn combination, I don't think it'll be as effective. I'm expecting them to dominate stoppage, uh, win ball from stoppage, get it in and get, generate great territory and on the back of that maybe create good score from stop their stoppage game, which is where I think Melbourne will gain a clear advantage. Collingwood and Frio, Saturday night, MCG, going to be massive. Um, they pulled the rabbit right out of the hat, Fremantle. And Collingwood, I think, won more admirers for the way in which they played against Geelong than they did maybe even in the wins that they were able to come from behind in. Um, who wins and why in this one for you, Mick? Uh, I'm going with the chaos game. Um We'll see contrasting styles between these two teams. Collingwood love chaos, want the ball in motion. It invites their pressure game to disrupt ball movement and efficiency with the ball against any opposition they play. And we witnessed that last week when they put enormous amount of pressure on Geelong, particularly in the early stages of the game. And I don't reckon they got the right bang for buck with the amount of dominance they had. But full credit to the Cats, the way they responded and absorbed that pressure, matched that pressure, um, really got their contest work up to a standard that troubled Collingwood. And on the back of that, they etched out a victory. But against the Fremantle, if Collingwood apply that great pressure here at the MCG in a capacity-filled ground, the noise will certainly uh, be in favour of the Collingwood fans or uh, Collingwood players with the amount of Collingwood support they'll have. 
And I think uh, the Chaos game will win out as much as I admire Fremantle for what they've done uh, this year. I just think this is a different um, probably type of game that they're used to. I go back to that round 10 game when it was wet and cops come off the ground. Uh, Henry, who was a medical sub, got on the ground and kicked four goals. It was quite influential in that six-goal victory back then. It was all about the pressure of that game in those conditions. Fremantle struggled to adapt to it, whereas Collingwood loved it. And I think there'll be no different in this particular contest. I'm expecting the Pies to win quite comfortably, to be honest. Mick, always love getting your insights. Uh, thanks so much for sharing it with us. You get a great response off the text every time. A lot of Bombers supporters saying, can you go through the process at Essendon for them, please? Um, mate, we'll speak to you again soon. Enjoy this week of finals. Enjoy, Sam. Good on you, mate. Take care. Mick McGowan, uh, absolute star and a great analyst uh, of the game. Uh, we've got a few other things to get through. Some items on the agenda to tick off on the other side of this on the Maccas run. Score a one in four chance to win the Monopoly game at Maccas. Welcome to the Maccas run with Sam Hargraves. Score a one in four chance to win with the Monopoly game at Maccas. Nah, not at all. Not at all. We're looking forward to the challenge this weekend, or Friday night. Um, we showed against Richmond in the first half that we can play really good footy there, and uh, it doesn't worry us at all. We, we obviously understand what's happened there and the fact that we haven't won there for quite some time, but we just see it as a huge opportunity. Yeah, obviously we're not happy with the way we performed against Melbourne. We think that they've really beaten us up mentally and physically, and uh, once again, it's another opportunity for us to go out there and uh, put our best foot forward and We've got plenty that we need to improve, even from the weekend. So hopefully we can uh, start the game really well, be in it, and go from there. Hugh McCluggies, Brisbane Lions midfielder, speaking about the MCG hoodoo and their performances over Melbourne as they get ready for that do-or-die semi-final against the D's on Friday night that you hear right here on SEM with the best call team in the business. Just wanted to touch on Ross Lyon. So uh, ruled himself out of going through Essendon's process uh, today. Apparently they wanted to skip him to stage two of the process um, and he had just ruled himself out. And uh, you can hear it all. The, the audio's up at SEN.com.au. We were speaking to Triple M today uh, or yesterday, I think, it was. So I got a question, how many current coaches have coached their team to three grand final appearances? So of the current coaches, Longmire, Hardwick, Clarkson's coming back. So if you want an experienced coach who has taken their team uh, to three grand finals and your choices are Ross Lyon, Mick Moldhouse, Lee Matthews or Ron Barassi, by my count, there might be others. Now we may not won one, but goodness knows, I've, and goodness knows I was pretty critical of their boring and over defensive, uh, overly defensive game style, but it got them there three times and a fourth if you count the draw. And if they got a bit of luck, a goal umpiring call, the toe poke, the bounce, the greatest smother in history, um, he may be a premiership coach. Initially, I thought, maybe like some of you did, that, oh, you're too good to go through a process, Ross. And it would appear that maybe he thinks that he does. But if he does, and I don't know that because I don't know Ross and I haven't spoken to Ross about that. But if he does think that, what's wrong with that? I actually admire that. This is a man that's decided that his career and expertise have worth and he's decided that he will, what he will and won't be prepared to do to extend his career and share those expertise. And maybe what we don't like about it is that we wish we could be in that position. He's well set up in media, in business. He doesn't want for coin by the sounds of it. Uh, but he's made a decision that he may never coach again, but he's comfortable 
with that because he's made a call on his own self-worth. How many times in life have you jumped through hoop after hoop after hoop to try and obtain that carrot that's dangled in front of you, dangled in front of you, it's, it's just there, it's just there, just do this bit more, keep going, keep going, and it doesn't work out. But you keep jumping through because you don't think you have any other choice and you work yourself into the ground in the pursuit. Sometimes it pays off and it's all the sweeter for all you've given to get there. But Ross has decided he's not willing to jump through the hoops and he's okay with the consequences of that. I say good on him. I'd be much more worried if I was Essendon that the two most highly credentialed coaches that were available had both declined you. So who does that leave? And if your answer is James Hurd, then that's not the answer. You don't have an answer. I'm wrapped that Hurd is back in footy because I believe in second chances. I believe footy's better with him in it. But the CEO that causes the company to crash on the stock market doesn't get their job back, do they? Regardless of whether it was entirely their fault or not, you don't move into the future by going back to your past. I love James Hurd. I'm not having a crack at James Hurd. But you've, you've got to be better than that. You can't go back to go forward in that way. So maybe that's what we don't like about the Ross Lyons situation because we all wish that we had that choice. He may never get a coaching job again, but what he said is, if that's the case, then that's the case, but I just don't want to have to go through that process. And he did say that there was a bit of a vibe that he wasn't quite sure about. So maybe there's a bit more to it than just not wanting to go through a process. But even if that's all it is, then what's wrong with that? What's wrong with someone saying, no, I I think my worth is this and this is what I am and what I'm not prepared to do. And if that means I don't get a job, then so be it. But if you've got a job for me, then I'm happy to sit down and have that chat. NAB League Boys Team of the Year has been named. Will Ashcroft is the captain of it. He's been named as Ruck Rover. Oakley's Matt Jefferson as the full forward. JK is just telling me this uh, on the way through. And commiserations to AFLW star Jamie Stanton, who's been ruled out with a full ACL rupture. And the Hawks have parted ways with longtime assistant coach Damian Monkhurst and Andy Otten. I feel like we only got to scratch the surface tonight. Um, but up next, Dermot Brereton with the conversations that could. And then I'm back at eight with Nick Ahern for Off the Tee. Don't miss that. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.